Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Larry. I'm a member of Wellspring, and I'm privileged to share the message or what I'm going through today with you. So um, I hope you have a bulletin, okay? If you don't, share with your neighbor. I think we're recycling. Um, are you comfortable in your seats? Because it's going to be two hours today, because Nathan said I can go two hours. <laughs> so is Pastor Yumiko. I'm really being led by the Spirit, so hold on to your seat. Um, I'd like to welcome all of you today as um, we go share, as well as dive into the Word of God. And um, let me take my mask off. I'm negative. <laughs> Not negative all the time, but... Let's, let's um, pray first, yeah? Lord, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable to you alone. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that works in and through us to bear fruit and to live life victoriously. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. So this morning, as you look at the screen, um, we have the verses that will continue from what Pastor Cheryl shared in Galatians. So I got the second half. So show of hands. How many of you like Jersey Mike's sandwiches? Expensive, right? Okay, I got the one in the back. Subway. Okay. Jimmy John's or Jimmy Johnson when I was in Nevada. Homemade sandwiches. Okay. A sandwich is very simple. This is the anatomy of a sandwich. I have a PhD in making sandwiches. Okay. You got bread on one side. You got bread on the left side. And you got in the middle, what do you have? Stuff. Some people can afford mayonnaise. No. <laughs> Ham, cheese. Okay. You got your things. So Galatians 5, chapter six, uh, verse 16 to 26 is going to be that sandwich, and I'm going to flesh it out, how you make your sandwiches today. But first, let's, let's listen to the scripture of what Paul continues, as Pastor Cheryl talked about, freedom in the spirit. And now, part of the right-hand sandwich, Paul says, walk in the spirit. And then on the other side, he said, when you walk in the spirit, don't be conceited, don't be jealous, and don't be envious of each other. And in the middle, we got the flesh fighting the, the spirit. The fruits of the spirit, which was handled by, is it Catherine? I thought she should preach the sermon, and that young guy was saying, the fruit has seed, dispersed seeds so they could produce the cycle of life. That's a PhD candidate right there, man. Okay. So, let's read the scripture together if you have your iPhones, if you have your Bibles, if you have the notes. It begins with this. So I say that the Holy Spirit guide your lives that you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Okay, this is the cheese, and this is my favorite part. Provolone cheese, ham, 
with roast beef. That's a weird combo, but I love it. With mayo, uh, Dijon mustard, cucumber, and lettuce inside, okay? This is the part. But this is not actually. This is the contrast. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. There's 15 now. Count them. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, this is Paul, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Part of this insight the contrast, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, which they were saying in here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The other part of the sandwich. Those of us who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Holy Spirit moment. To do the sandwich. I want you from verses 16 through 18 to draw a rectangle, the whole thing. Rectangle the whole thing. Okay? Rectangle the whole thing. Okay? Hey, uh, I'm putting uh, Karen on the spot. You have anything on that? To, to make? Okay, it's not there. Okay. Verses 19 through 22, draw a big circle around it. 19 to 22, draw a circle around it. And then 24, do another rectangle around, around the whole thing. 24 to 26. Okay, that's your sandwich. Okay? And I'm going to elaborate more on that. But before we do that, uh, my wife and I were talking about this message and... Uh, I was coming off registration for our university students, and this registration week was pretty busy, so I said, I'll get the message out by, I think, Thursday <laughs> or Friday. <laughs> so hallelujah, it came after the um, registration period, and my wife was showing me this prayer that I'd like for you to pull out in your bulletin. I'd like us to right now just be quiet before we receive the message. Uh, this is a congregational prayer, and this is for those of us, myself included, for all the things that we've been going through this week. I saw you and myself raise my hand about bearing not-so-good fruit, and I don't need to know what you're not-so-good fruit about. I, I'll leave it between you and God, and I have minds that I would do share, but I want us to read this prayer together, orally. And um, let's, let's begin with this prayer. And this prayer is an internal prayer for us individually. And then we will learn the word together corporately. So let's look at that. And if you have it, you can share with your neighbor. And it begins right after. It's in your bulletin, right? Okay. Let's begin. Father, I know you love me and I love you. But I am troubled and I don't understand how can any good come from this situation? Still, I'm trusting in you. And I know this circumstance has a purpose. So help me find the good in what I see as bad. In my unrighteousness, let me see the work of your grace. In my problems, let me see the strength of your power. 
In my disappointments, let me see presence of your comfort. In my failures, let me see the grace of your love. And in my confusion, let me see certainty of your will. For I know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28, amen. So this is kind of like a prayer that got me ready for this message. And um, walking in the spirit is my entitled message this morning. And um, in order to keep the unity, Paul did admonish the Galatian people to not become conceited, jealous, and not to provoke one another Keep the unity so we are disciples of Christ. Furthermore, the traits of this last verse of the sandwich, 26, is not, in, it's incompatible with what the fruit of the Spirit actually is when we dive deeper. So, what happens this morning, here's the context. We heard Paul's primary message in Galatians is that we no longer have to try to measure up to any unattainable standard, basically be under the Mosaic law on our own because we have Jesus Christ. He has already measured up to that standard on our behalf. Pastor Cheryl shared about the freedom of Christ. So we're free in Christ not to be under the law. Our identity now is placed in Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying this, do we as followers of Christ is it not enough for us to just accept the salvation of what he has given and what he has done and then go back to living as we did in our former lives? So there's a contrast. Living in what we love to do and now being filled with the Spirit, continue to live a life that's different or a life that's led by the Spirit. That's your choice. That's my choice. As Paul is clearly saying, there is a direct contrast between the desires of the flesh and being connected to Jesus, which is bearing fruit. It is very clear that there were individuals in Galatia. Get this, as I was doing some research, the people in Galatia were still gratifying their own desires at the expense of others. You see that in verses uh, 19 through 21. They were just living for themselves. As a result of this, it was leading the other Galatians who were trying to follow Christ, a strife, a major battle between of being in unity between those who are now living in the faith, trusting God, versus those who are living it up in the flesh. So this morning, I titled my message, Walking in the Spirit. Can you say that with me? I know that a proper sentence... Because English is my second language. Ilocano is my first. Um, a noun plus a verb equals what? You have a noun and a verb equals a direct object. The direct object receives the noun, the action of the verb. So today, what is walking? I said, walking in the spirit? Did I do it right? Is it gra grammatically correct? So I looked it up. Walking actually is a present progressive activity that is in progress, like I am walking, he is walking, we are walking, plus the form of the verb ing. So we are together, I might say, 
He is walking with the Spirit. She is walking with the Spirit. I'm walking with the Spirit. But collaboratively, can we say it? We are walking in the Spirit. So set that precedence for us that we are going to be learning together as we walk in the Spirit. So what is this? What is Paul's charge? How does the Holy Spirit guide your life? How do we walk in the Holy Spirit to guide our lives in living for Jesus? We heard these things, and some of us may go, yeah, blah, 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 but how do we do it? Because I was one of those blah, blah, blah. Show me. How do we do it? So, number one, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do some workouts. Walking, the present progress activity that is in progress, whether we, whatever your daily walk is, Walking in the Spirit means to have a daily habit of continual obedience. Continual obedience. So it's progressive. It's still happening. It's in the process. We are not done. We're not finite. We're still not infinite. We're still finite. So I looked up the word Shama. Shama in the Hebrew means very deeply. Oh, can you say the word Shama? I heard some of you say Shamu. <laughs> you guys back to San Diego? Okay. Shama comes and it means this. It means to hear. It means to listen. It means to give attention. It means to understand. It means to submit to. And it means to obey. I know I had a lecture thing with PowerPoints and all that. So this is my low-tech PowerPoint today. I'm going to do audio. Okay. So it means to hear. It means to listen, to give attention to, to understand, to submit, and to obey. There is one word for obedience, and it is this word, Shema. To walk in obedience to all that the Lord has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Deuteronomy 8 and 6. The commandment is imperative. Walk. In obedience. Walking means to hear, to listen, to give attention to, to understand, to submit to, to obey. And observe the commands of the Lord your God. Walking in obedience to him and revering him. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Personally, and I think it resonates with you and I. Not assuming that, but it is hard for me to hear. To listen. To give attention, to understand, to submit, and to obey God. Because there's so much distractions that require my attention. The noise of this world is drowning me out. I'm submitting to it. Stocks went down. There's another bombing. There's another killing. There's so much work to do for my students. There's this. Got to provide for the family. Got to do this. Got to, you know, it, the list goes on and on of distractions. And what am I going to do about it? You know your list. And Romans 12, 2 says this to us very kindly and very forthright. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. The Christian disciplines are really hard work in progress. Again, the present progressive activity that's still in progress, but try it. And try to be consistent. For example, I try to be obedient in reading the word of God. I try to be. I try to be obedient in praying for others upon request when someone mentions that. Or just to pray with God. To God. 
I try to be obedient in giving my time and finances to the church and to the surrounding community. I try to, I try to, and your turn, I try to. It's hard to be obedient. The Galatians struggled with obedience to God alone, to live by the Spirit, one choice, to li- and to, or to live in the flesh, your second choice. How can I know if I'm obedient to God? That was one question It was resonating to me. And I said, I'm going to share this. How can I be obedient to God? I've stated the fact what, what obedience means in the Hebrew, then brought it down to what we're trying in our Christian disciplines. And I found this. It's really simple. By gratefully taking care of the small things that God has placed in your life. For example, men, lifting the toilet seat for your, your woman, <laughs> making your bed. Kids, you any kids? Pick up your... Pick up your clothing around. Help to chop the vegetables when you and your wife are cooking stew. Okay, I'm using practical things that my wife has taught me too. Okay? So, basically you're showing God that you're a good shepherd of whatever he gives you. By obeying all things, even the mundane, you are showing God that you're willing and able to obey whatever he asks of you. And I'm going to ask Karen to shoot up a picture. This is my only um, PowerPoint picture. And this picture, I I found it, and I Googled it, because I was looking for something on obedience. And gosh, it's so amazing what Google has. But this relates to the picture of Galatians. Because if we put relationships before rules and love before law, we'll find obedience much less of a struggle and much more satisfying. Let me change that around for you. If we put rules before relationships and the law before love, we find obedience more of a struggle and less satisfying. And that's what the people of Galatia did. The Mosaic law, be circumcised. Then you got Paul hammering in the middle of the sandwich, live by the Spirit. And these are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what you produce. If you don't, this is what you do in the flesh. You're not led by the Spirit. And so, thank you for that uh, uh, video part. The part that I was going to bring, that obedience does bring fear. You fear the Lord. And in, in the Old Testament, the verse that comes from Deuteronomy 2, And now, Israel, what does the Lord require your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve him? The Lord your God with what? All your heart. There's little hearts up there. All your heart and with all your soul. There's a story in the Old Testament by, um, have you ever familiar with the King Hezekiah? That's my, that's my nighttime reading. <laughs> Hezekiah, because I had to do this message, that was a nighttime reading, seriously. <laughs> Hezekiah shows obedience to God. If you look, and you can write this down, it's found in 2 Kings, verses 18 to 20 of Hezekiah. The story of Hezekiah, he's the 13th king that ruled in the kingdom of Judah. And he's a great example of obedience. He begins his rule over a period of time in which Judah was not following God. They were actually in their temples and everything. They were building, uh, worshiping other gods. For example, Asherah, 
which actually was a Canaanite god that represented fertility, was a pole in front of the temple that you entered, and people were worshiping that. So Hezekiah made it a point to knock down all those poles, clean out the temples so that it could be holy. And that's what he did. Idolatry. He, he hated idolatry. He destroyed the places of worship and their images. He worships the one true God and doesn't stray from his commandments. But the scripture doesn't say, no doubt, in my mind, he reestablished the Sabbath days, holy days, and other acts of worship and repentance commanded by God hundreds of years before. He was bringing the people back to where they should be. And you know, Jeremiah, Isaiah says, the people of Israel are stiff-necked people. Everybody had a stiff neck? It's hard to turn to the right and turn to the left. You're always looking forward, one way. You're just a one-way person. So is the Israelites. They were just one way, worshiping idols, idolatry. However, as in life, evil is ever-present, and the Assyrian king first destroys Israel and then comes for Judah. Because of Hezekiah's obedience and right standing before the Lord, guess what, guys? God delivers them in a mighty show of power and strength. And God will deliver us from what we're facing in our times, as long as we continue to be obedient. Okay? Second point today in this morning is walking in the Spirit now as we begin this, this progressive um, activity that's happening in the present, which is the process, is being connected to, you can put in your blank, Jesus. And not to gratify the desires of the flesh. Going back to the contrast that Paul says, this is what's done in the flesh, this is what's done in the spirit. But to bear the fruit, you got to be connected to the vine. I research, how many of you here love mangoes? Okay. How many of you here love lychee? Okay. Those of you who have trees, lychee trees and mango trees, my address is 94374 <laughs> Leleaka Street. I love both. Hayden mangoes especially. Okay. It takes about from seed, because I'm a gardener, but I don't grow mango trees because too much rubbish to rake. I, I love the guys in Wahewa or I don't know where else is man. You guys have seen mango trees? They're all cutting it down, right? Not in the west side. I don't see in a Kapole. Sorry, Daisy, but I don't think that side ever. <laughs> but it takes about four to five years from seed to bear fruit. Lychee is about four years. Lychee is a delicious fruit that is put in Chinese dessert as well as eaten by the locals. So when Jesus says in John 15, 5, in what you see today, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, there is a reciprocal relationship there. I in me, I'll remain in you. You will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. That's a result. Apart from me, you can do, what does it say, gang? Nothing. Nada. Ex nihilo. Nothing. First and foremost, Jesus is the vine. He is the true vine who is the source of all life. In today's reading, there's definitely a contrast between the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the works of the flesh. Um, to follow sinful natures, Jesus identifies this as there's two branches. There's, number one, the fruit-bearing branch. And secondly, there's the barren branch. Please note that the branches that are not bearing fruit, they may look like the other branches for a while, but their failure to bear fruit shows they are not. 
The barren branches will be thrown into the fire on the last day, alluding to the end of time. When I was in Israel, uh, we walked to, um, I was with my graduate students back then. We were walking up to this place, and there was this grape, or this grape kind of like, um, like you see in the movies, uh, Tuscan, Italy, all those grapes on the vines. And then I saw one of the, the gentlemen pruning the grape, um, I guess, plants and throwing the dry branches into a pile. So he, he was telling us he has to prune it so they can grow more fruit. Okay? He has to take out the dead branches so that new branches can grow. Then after, say, we burn it, then our professor, Dr. Fleming, remember John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. The bad branches get burned. <laughs> And kind of laughed, but there was some truth to our pruning. So, basically, the barren branches will be thrown into fire on the last day, alluding to the end of time. In the Old Testament, the vine often represented Israel. And usually, it's in a negative sense. The, the Israelites' purpose um, was basically unfruitful. In Isaiah 5.4, you can find that. Their purpose was to bear the fruit of justice and righteousness. And they failed. If you look at and study, they failed to do that. They were stiff-necked people in Isaiah. And you read that in Jeremiah also. But here today, this morning, you and I as believers, and those of us who are walking in the faith to understand who Jesus is, this is the verse bearing much fruit. If one remains in Jesus, and Jesus remains in them, without Remaining in Jesus, we can do nothing. Um, on my personal journey with Christ, and so on your personal journey with Christ, the question was, how are we bearing fruit in this tumultuous as well as confusing times? How are we basically doing that? On our, on our own power, or are we going to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit? So the word that came to my mind is, let's recalibrate. I love that word. And I looked it up. It means to adjust precisely. And I think um, Brother Neil works with cars, right, Neil? You worked with cars before? Used to. And when you do timing for the car, when the car goes, duh, 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 you have to do timing to make it go, it's kind of like the engine is rough. And this is making the engine smooth. There is a timing uh, device that you do to correct it. So to recalibrate, um, how do we actually practically do it? So I found this, and, and, and this is something that I've been thinking about. To recalibrate your mind, number one, begin each day with the things that matter most. Begin each day with the things that matter most. Okay? Secondly, remind yourself of what are your priorities. What are your priorities right now that, that really mean a lot to you? Number three, Seek opportunities of growth. Okay, and number four is pay attention to your health, your physical health. Okay, and then number five, surround yourselves with people who are like-minded like you, who are focused and who are considering urging you on to more positive than negative things. Okay, to be like-minded in Christ. That's another good one. And Romans 13 uh, verse 13 to 14 says this, and do this, do all of what this, recalibrate, bear fruit, walk with, in the spirit, 
the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the, the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think, how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That's part of the internal motivation as well as a guideline to produce fruit. This is the challenge, though, that Paul is posing to the believers in Galatia. While they are no longer led by the standards of the Mosaic law, the Lord is still leading them through. He is now doing it through the Holy Spirit. Correct. So, 1 Peter 13.16, to keep us in check, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you to be holy, you, you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written... Be holy because I am holy. So Paul is saying here, again, there's a direct contrast between the flesh and connected to Jesus. It is very clear that the people in Galatia were doing things to gratify themselves. But then Paul says, be led back to the spirit so that you can bear that fruit in verses 22 to 25, 24. So the third point I'm moving on right now is walking in the Spirit allows you to, we're going to go dive deeper now, bear fruit. To bear fruit, and as a result of bearing fruit, what do people who do not attend churches or on the outside see? When you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, they're seeing that you are disciples of Christ. So there is that antecedent and consequent Okay? There is that logic when we are in Christ, he remains in us so that we can bear fruit, so that others will know that we are disciples of Christ. Remember the little girl? I mean, Catherine was saying, I'm going to pass that love to you. It's a heart fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, I'll explain it a little more. Uh, the fruit listed in Galatians is one fruit. Let me repeat that, please. The fruit listed in Galatians is in one fruit. It's a singular. But you're going to go, Larry, Larry, you haven't been to math class lately. It's nine. I counted nine. Okay? But let me explain it. It's one fruit because of the unity and coherence in the outworking of these nine virtues. It's suggested for unity so that under the one fruit, basically you might see, I call it the upward qualities the upward qualities technically are love, joy, and peace. The three, love, joy, and peace. These are the upward qualities in which we strive for in trying to let the Holy Spirit produce in our lives as long as we connect ourselves to Jesus. Why? Love is placed first and not random. Because love identifies the believer. Love identifies the believer in 1 John 4, 7. When love... We have love of Jesus. We identify it as followers of Christ. That's what people will see. That's what people will look for. 
when they're looking for something for purpose. So he continues and he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So basically the second point of this too is, Love motivates the believer, found in 2 Corinthians 5.14. Love motivates the believer, 2 Corinthians 5.14. Love identifies the believer first, 1 John 4.7. You are a believer. You, Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And second, as now belonging to Jesus, the Spirit in you motivates you to produce love, joy, and peace. Upward qualities. Either way... Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also will believe that he has died for, for us, that we have died to our old life. We have died to our old life and given us a new life. The peace that surpasses all human understanding coming, uh, finds its source in love. And then the other qualities, outward qualities, so you can put outward qualities, are patience, Kindness and goodness. Let me give you a really good example. How many of you get along with your neighbors? Honestly. Okay, great. I'm going to meet with you guys afterwards um, because I really, my family's here today. Okay. Honest. I have a neighbor. Oh, boy. Hard. Even when giving this message. But present, I'm being presently um, circumcised by the Holy Spirit to, to produce love for this neighbor. But one day I was weeding in my yard. And I, I know weeding is hard work, so I just was weeding away. And I have Gerber daisies in a little area. And I saw my neighbor across the street, so I said, hmm, my neighbor's uh, Peter. What, Peter, what is he doing today? So I looked, and I, I, I potted some Gerber daisies for Margie's aunties. So I found a pot and I, I don't know I just went over to to deliver it to him and I said well, what am I doing this <laughs> and he said you know I have a hard time with the neighbor on the left but I want to get to the neighbor across my street so I bought that Gerber Daisy and Peter was there that's his name and he says oh Larry uh oh what's this I said oh here's a Gerber Daisy for you and it, it's a pretty sturdy plant Peter and you can plant it in that area right there and I, I can help you if you need help. He said, thank you. Thank you so much. And his wife came out. She's a gardener. She says, oh, my. I was looking for those kind of plants for a long time. And I go, oh. I just was kind of like moved to give you this plant. And then we ended up talking to saying, hey. The wife goes, hey, um, you look like so-and-so. Do you go to St. John's, the Catholic church in Mililani? <laughs> Forgive me for this, but this is my crass response. was like, why, well, all Filipinos Catholics. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> I said, no. I said, I go to Wellspring Covenant Church um, next to Anheuser-Busch, you know, so people know their location, the beer place. And then we started talking, and they were sharing their faith. We ended up sharing in this community that Dan and others have preached, coming to the community of faith by a Gerber daisy. Spirit led me, bore a fruit that I really believe was a fruit of kindness. So... That's one story that just happened two weeks ago prior to the sermon. So I have something that God is presently working in me. And, and my neighbor on the left, stay tuned. <laughs> I need to meet the other guys. Okay. I know I have to keep going now. I come over time. So the last part I'd like to do is we recapitulate everything is that we 
are going to be walking in the Spirit because, what's our first point? Shout it to me. Anybody? Oh, obedience. Okay. Second point. Is it bear fruit? No? Okay, desires of, quench desires of the flesh. Okay, it's coming up there. Third point. Bear fruit. Okay. What we're going to do at the end of the service, I went over time. Sorry, Nathan. I had, I'm not going to go two hours. I went more than that. Um, we're going to have stations here this morning, and I'd like for you to consider in your hearts that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our advocate, leads us to all truth. Whatever stage of your life this morning, we're going to have individuals um, at certain stations this morning, so I'd like to ask all of them. Um, Cheryl, Pastor Cheryl will be here. Pastor Yumiko will be on the back table. I will be in front of the cross. And who was supposed to be there? Oh, okay, that's three of us, yeah? Today, you're going to ask yourself this major question. And I, this is my last part to share it, okay? Is that when we know we're living obedience to him, the Holy Spirit will guide us and be with us no matter what we face. Number two, when we are connected to Jesus, the true vine, through the Holy Spirit, we will not obey the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit will bear much fruit as we abide in him, showing us, showing the world that we are disciples of Christ. So we have some reflection questions about what fruit can God, through the Holy Spirit, bear, you this more, bear for you this week, if at all you choose to desire that. So the pastors will pray over you, and they will close with a song, and then we'll have the benediction with that. So I invite you at this time to go... If you want any prayers right now, you can pray in your seat and ask God to, to reveal to you how his Holy Spirit can guide you because he says he'll convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but he'll tell you that he has heard. And what he has heard, he will tell you about the future. So come now and... Um, if you want to receive, and if you want to pray in your own seat, you can do that. So let's begin that. Thank you. And, um, can we have a, um, just a part where we can just say this? Can you repeat after me? Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power. For the power of joy, peace, and love. The upward qualities that bring us, the upward qualities that bring us closer to Jesus. Amen.